Welcome to the One Church Podcast, where we host conversations with church leaders from Adelaide and beyond. Our heart is that you would be encouraged by the testimony of Jesus building His church across our nation. We're on a mission to champion genuine love and unity within the Bride of Christ. And it's our hope that this podcast helps inspire you as you do the same. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. So thanks for coming, Danny. Um, we're doing this podcast as a way of, of having a conversation about the church. Yeah. And you're a man who has been a significant leader within the church of not just South Australia, but impacting people all over the world. Um, with the love of Christ and you've been a huge influence in my life. I've been absolutely privileged to get to know you and um, be blessed by your ministry and your love and your care. And so we just thought it'd be fantastic to come along and film some of the stuff we've been talking about around the church and uh, Jesus' heart for the church. And as leaders, what does it mean for us as leaders, especially in a post-COVID mm. context where yeah. where our world is, where, where people are deconstructing the church, yes. where a lot of people yes. are leaving the church yes. uh, and people are becoming disillusioned with what church yes. is and in light of things that are happening in our world with significant leaders uh, having fairly significant falls. Uh, yep. But to have a really positive, constructive conversation and reminding yeah. people that Jesus loves his church. He sure does. And his church is his, his vehicle through which he wants yes. to establish his kingdom. Yes on the earth and um, you know, it's the, the, the Cabri picnic bar, it's ugly, beautiful, but it is, yeah, it is yeah. God's, it, it, it is God's delight. So yeah. thanks for joining us and a privilege to Absolute be able pleasure. to have yeah. this time. And so yeah. I thought it'd be great just to start with um, maybe a bit of, a bit of your heart for the church yeah. as someone who's led the church, led, yes. led at a local church level for yeah. a number of years, been yes. involved at youth pastoring and, and ecumenically. Yes. Like, yes broad picture, big yep. C church, yeah. and then obviously yeah. leading Edge Church for a, for a long time. Yeah. Why the local church? When we say this, what is God's heart for the church? Yeah. What's your heart yeah. for the church? Well, I think, you know, there was that day in the New Testament, Matthew 16, where Peter has a revelation of Jesus being deity. You know, yeah. he goes, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And then straight after that, Jesus shows Peter, now that you know who I am, I'll give you your identity. Yeah. And then out of that, he gets his destiny. Yeah. And it was the destiny to be a partaker in building the church. Mm. I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And so I've always had this passion that I'm going to love what Jesus loves and I'm going to build what Jesus wants us to partner with him in building. And he said, I'll build my church. You know, um, he wanted Peter to partner out of that revelation, but Jesus was going to build it. It was only uh, jokingly a a few weeks ago, someone said to me, oh, what church do you go to? I said, oh, I'm going to the one that Jesus goes to. (laughs) And I said, you know, Jesus said he'll build his church, not our churches. And so uh, I've always been taken by John 17, the prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. And Father, I pray that they may be one as we are one. And I've always, always seen one church. I've seen the kingdom. When Jesus was taken into heaven, he says, there's things you don't need answers to, but you need to know about the kingdom. And so I always felt that Jesus was building one church. I jokingly say across many abominations, but I mean (laughs) denominations. And we've created denominations. In some ways, we've stopped that prayer 
in John 17 becoming a reality mm. um, by going to our corners. Yep. And I think we've all got a part to play and we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses yep. in our many congregations of the church. Yeah. So there are many different congregations of the church, but there's only one church. Yeah. That's always been like an understanding inside of me. It's been an illumination, a revelation. Yeah. But in 19... Uh, would have been 1994, yeah. I was at a pastor's conference and um, they wanted me at this conference because I don't know if you remember, but around that time they had this thing called the Toronto Blessing yeah. and it was about people being touched by the power of God and yeah. I'd taken over the leadership or started our church in the south of Adelaide and we were seeing people come to faith, we are seeing people baptised and people were saying, yeah, but Danny's not in the river. He's not in that move, yeah. you know. And I didn't even know what it was, but I was invited well, to go to the, the river. What's the river? <laughs> I said, we're baptising people. We're seeing people come to faith, but we weren't singing certain songs. I want to say that often we make church about a style. Yeah. And we weren't singing the songs that were in at that time yeah. with that river move. Uh, and so we were just trying to stay afloat with what was happening and, and yeah. keep the church alive. And, and I was at this conference and I fell to my knees during worship. And a voice inside my head said, build according to the pattern. Yeah. And one of the things I've done all my life as a Christian is I've journaled. Yeah. I always journal. I've done it from the day I had a revelation of who Jesus was. And so the next day I'm journaling and I come across Hebrews 8, 5 in my reading yeah. where it says, be careful uh, to do what God told Moses to do, to build everything according to the pattern I've given you on the mountain. Yeah. And I remember I was in bed that night and I said to God, that's fine, but I don't know what the pattern is. Yeah. And literally from that moment to today, which is many years now, 20 something years, I see patterns in scripture yeah. that are not an exegesis of the passage, but they're a picture that lines up with the whole of scripture. Yeah. And one of those patterns has been the church. Yeah. I've seen, a I've had a revelation of how unbelievable is the church when it truly is the church. Yeah. You know, we have expressions of the church that yeah. sometimes don't reflect the church that Jesus said he would build. Yeah. But when we build it according to his pattern, there's nothing yeah. on earth yeah. like it. When you see all the one anotherings yeah. and all the different giftings. Mm. But for me, and I've actually got it written in the back of my Bible here. Yeah. For me, somebody asked me many years ago, why do you love the church? And I wrote this down. I just said this and then I wrote it down afterwards. Um, uh, I love the church because I need its atmosphere. Yeah. I need the atmosphere. Life has an atmosphere. Yeah. And when I'm in an atmosphere of one anothering and we're all under the same God and we love each other and love God, that atmosphere uh, brings beauty to my life. Yeah. And so I've loved its atmosphere, but I've also loved its adjustment. The amount of times that I've been in a God-filled meeting where I was making decisions that might not be so right and something in a worship song, yeah. something in a preach adjusted me. Yeah. And I've seen that now all my life. I've been in my life. I say, I've been in my life. I've been in my life a long time. <laughs> uh, I say to people, I've been to church all my life. I went to church nine months before I was born. <laughs> my grandfather started the first evangelical church in southern Italy. Wow out of Catholicism wow. all those many, many years ago. Yeah. And so there's five generations in our family of wow. church builders. Yeah, wow. What a legacy. Oh. 
Isn't that beautiful? Oh, it is beautiful. But I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because, uh, and I'll maybe talk about it later, but the atmosphere, I needed its adjustment, but I need its and. I realise that on my own, I can't do my Christianity. It's me and you. Yeah. And you know, like, it was Peter and John standing in front of a crippled man. And I remember reading that one day, and this thought came into my mind your ands will determine your end. How you have ands in your life, that's how you will end your life if you've got the right ands in your life. And sometimes those ands are silent partners. They're people that don't have your gifting. Peter did all the talking, but he said, Look at us. He didn't say, Look at me. So it was an us sort of atmosphere. And so I've always seen I've needed the churches and in my life. I'm not complete on my own, but in God's church, I find completeness and community, right? So I've always believed that. I've also needed the church's ad. You've noticed they all start with A. Yeah, I I love it. I've needed the church's ad, which I call spiritual warfare. And, you know, I remember we lost our first child. We've lost two children. But I lost, we lost our first child shortly after my wife got pregnant when we were first married, we were young. Uh, and uh, just at the time when things were starting to go okay, no more morning sickness, and she lost the child. And it was a Wednesday, and it would have been 1975. That's how long ago it was. And it was a Wednesday, and I knew there was a prayer meeting on at the church. And uh, oh, mm. it's a bit emotional for me, but I... I got in the car after leaving the hospital and I went to church feeling flat, yeah. feeling yuck, and walked into a prayer meeting where they wrapped their arms around me and prayed for me and my wife. Yeah. And they're adding their faith. Yeah, so good. To me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, gee, the church is beautiful yeah. when it's all that God wants it to be. So I've needed that. There's also what we call the anointing. And in Psalm 133, it says where brethren dwell together, not occasionally visit each other. It was a dwelling. It's a doing life together. Where brethren dwell together in unity, you live in commanded blessing. And I was only a young pastor when this came to me. It would have been 1994 when I wrote in my Bible, you've got to be in the right place with the right people and then the power will flow. Yeah. And I've lived, I've seen that now for the last 25 years of my life that... I've seen all the rubbish in church life. I've seen the church politics. I've seen people leave offended. I'm thinking of rewriting all the old hymns. And one of them is, Oh, for Jesus, I'm offended. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, you know, seek ye tenth the kingdom of God. (laughs) And, you know, we think when we seek God first and we become builders of his church that we're going to miss out. But it doesn't say all these things will be subtracted from you. Yeah, it so says good. all these things will be added to you. Yeah. And so I have found when the church is really the church, there's that commanded blessing, yeah. you know. And I love, I love, forgive me for interrupting. No, no. If you don't I interrupt, love. I'll talk one day. <laughs> this is where people who are watching this, normally I just have a notepad out and we're taking notes because it's just, but I love that in you're sitting here talking about the ad when you know in your life there has been such a subtraction as well, but yeah. you know, you've known what it is to yep. to journey with suffering, like you've just shared the yep. loss of your firstborn, first, you lost yeah. obviously Chris, and yes. and yet you can stand here as a testimony and say, yeah. all these things have been added unto me. Yes, yes, just yes. It's such a powerful mm. reality yeah. and truth, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Dave, I say this with absolute honesty and, 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 and humility is when I came to Jesus, I never came to him because of what he does. Yeah. 
I came to Jesus because I had a revelation of what he did. Yeah, it's so good. And what he did on the cross yeah. was enough. Yeah. Because I came to Jesus because as a teenager, I didn't want to go to hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go to heaven. Yeah. And somehow this gospel shows me eternal life. Yeah. Do you know what's really sad? Is the contemporary church has spent the last 20 or 30 years preaching about all the stuff we can have down here. Yeah. And nothing from eternity. Yeah. And I've never carried that belief. I believe I live from eternity. Yeah. You know, and we don't speak a lot about eternity. I remember reading one day about Solomon and it says he tried everything under the sun. Yeah. And none of it made sense. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that's because he never tried anything above the sun. Yeah. You know, and when I thought about that, I went and looked up the name, his name, that he knew God as Elohim, but he didn't know him as the the, the, the personal God. He knew him as the God who was the creator, but yeah. not as his personal God. And so everything he wanted God to do was down here. Yeah. And we have a bit of a modern Christianity that's give me this, give me that, yeah. bless me. Why did that happen to me? Why? Did... But I never came to Jesus because he's going to make everything right. Yeah. I came to Jesus because he's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And I have eternal life. Yeah. That still excites me. Yeah. And it's been such it's been such a, a thing that we've been reflecting a lot of, upon of lately is like what does the church need to rediscover in in our in our yeah, time? Yeah. Um where we have like we have we have lived in this blessing, like we've lived in comfort, we've we've seen big buildings, we've seen yeah. church growth yeah. movements, we've seen yeah. seen all of these things and yet yeah. we've We've come out of a difficult couple of years yeah. and a lot of church leaders and a lot of people, a lot of Christians are just asking the question of why church and, and what's my place in it. And I think there is, as you were talking about, all those things, community is such a massive part oh. of what you've talked about, the, the oh. and and the, yeah. the adjustment. The adjustment happens side by side, rubbing yeah. shoulders with one another, that yeah. correction and that encouragement yeah. Yeah. of yes. you're running, I'm running with you, we're yeah. running together. Yeah. Um, but but what causes that? It, it can't be. Yes. It can't be anything other than that deep revelation of who Christ is and what He's done for yep. me. Yeah. Absolutely. Living out of that overflow. Oh, totally. You know, um, Dave, I was. Uh, I journal all the time, but I also have my phone ready when thoughts come into my mind. I said to someone recently, I know when God talk to talks to me, when anything smarter than I can think of comes into my head, it's probably God. And I remember the day that I wrote down, if you don't walk with Jesus personally, you won't be able to walk with church purposely. Yeah, wow. And so as a result of thinking about that, I've put a series of messages on the difference between churchianity and Christianity. Yeah, wow. So you can be a churchian, and that's yeah. just being a churchgoer. Yeah. Or you can be a Christian, which is a Christ follower. Yeah. And for most people that go to church now, the Bible's no longer their code of conduct. Yeah. See, to me, the Bible's my worldview. Yeah. It's not my religion. Yeah. It's my worldview. Yeah. I view the whole of life. Yeah. through the code of conduct yeah through the truth and it's worked i mean i'm 65 and if 30 years ago i said i'm going in this direction because i got it from the bible and i end up in a mess you're gonna think well his direction wasn't real good was it yeah but it's like i've been to the doctor he's given me a prescription yeah i've taken the medication and it's worked yeah in crisis yeah in times of loss yeah so for me i absolutely love the word of god because i'm a christian first yeah and then church 
is what I build because I want to build what Jesus said he would build. And Jesus is a master builder. And why wouldn't I? To say I'm a Christian and I don't like church is to say I don't agree with what Jesus said he would build. Yeah. Jesus doesn't make doesn't, any sense, make does sense. it? No. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's worked for me on many levels, you know. I mean, the other side is a lot of people aren't purposed in life. And there was a time in my life I didn't know what my purpose was. Yeah. But I was part of a church that knew what its assignment was. Mm. So I thought, well, if I don't know what I'm called to do, I'll just get on board with the church's assignment. Yeah. And as I embraced the assignment of the church, yeah. little by little, yeah, you began. my purpose was found. Yeah. So I could play guitar, but I said to someone, I play according to the scriptures, never let your left hand know what your right hand is. <laughs> I think I said that at your church yeah. on the Sunday. Because I could only play a few chords on guitar, but there was a worship session where there was no musician. And they said, can you play the guitar? I said, well, I can play a bit. And I got up and led worship with the guitar. In those days, you only needed a few chords. Yeah. And 12 years later, I was still the worship leader in the church with my guitar. Wow. And out of that, I would share in between the songs and someone picked up something on my life that I couldn't see. Yeah. And then I was asked to run a home group. Yeah. I think for us, if we really believe God said he would build his church and we believe in his incredible integrity as God, you just have a yes. Yeah. And I think what I did all those years ago, you said you'll build the church. And I, I remember saying to people, I remember saying, you know, why would we want to find in the Bible um, the things that are hidden when we don't obey that which is clear? Yeah. You know, you know, if we don't obey the revealed, why would we want to find out about the concealed? Yeah. And I remember saying, if the Bible says don't forsake the coming together, yeah. If the Bible says this is what you bring to each other in your gifts, yeah. if the Bible says this is the importance of one anothering, yeah. why would I argue with that? Yeah. Why would I fight that? Yeah. And if the church isn't valid right now, neither is the Bible. Yeah. And before COVID happened, as COVID was happening, I do feel these thoughts came to me that post-COVID there'd be church leavers. Mm. People would leave the church. Mm. And my feeling is, did you only know church or did you know the Christ of the church? Yeah. Because it's just an excuse to walk yeah. away from already doing God in the second person. Yeah, yeah. Then there's church cleavers. Mm. And they're the people that love the programs of the church that carry them. Mm -hmm. So why should I teach my children about Jesus when there's a youth yeah. program yeah. and there's a children's department? Yeah. Rather than that being an add to what do they get at home, yeah. Yeah. it's everything they get yeah. and not get it at home. Yeah. And so, you know, you think, okay, well, that's not the church Jesus said he would build. No. But the beautiful thing about the future is that I saw there's going to be a new era of Christ seekers yeah. and Christ followers mm. who then will build the church. Yeah. They're not church seekers yeah. and they're not church followers. Yeah. They're Christ seekers yeah. and Christ followers and then you can't help but build the church yeah. and be the church. Which, which like it, it, it sort of, um, it really cuts through, doesn't it? And politics and the, the various things that people wrestle with in, in church yep. life, sacred cows, let's call yep. them, yep. they fall away. They make good barbecues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> that's so good. 
But they become so so unimportant, don't yeah. they? In the yes. light, like if I am a Christ seeker and a Christ follower, and he says, like it's so, he just says, come follow me. Yeah. And then all these other things that I'm holding onto that have become idols in my life. We don't like to call them idols, but no. they are. No. The things that I think are important and so important that you can't possibly do that or you can't change that or you can't alter this. But really, all of that falls away because you and I together yeah. are following Christ. Yeah. And we're just trying to hear his voice and we're trying to win people to his beautiful yes. gospel, his beautiful oh. message that you were dead and now you're alive. Yeah. Can I make a confession? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to make a confession. <laughs> when I handed over the leadership of leading the church. And I can say right up front, I did it with all my heart. Yeah. I did it with pure motives. People often will judge you by what's inside of them. Yeah. And so when our church grew, I didn't know why it grew. Yeah. But oh, he's trying to be another Hill song. He's trying to be another. I said, I just want to build his song, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. This was happening around me. And I got caught up in the, just the structure the yeah. politics, the having to be at this meeting, that meeting. And the more the church grew, the more I was invited to speak at things, yeah. the more I was invited to be on boards yeah. on, on a larger kingdom. And it all seemed good because it had an element of truth to it. But when I handed the leadership of the church over, within a year, I realised I'm actually a better Christian now. Mm. I'm a better husband. Yeah. I'm a better friend. I've got time to spend with pastors and cry together and laugh together over the Word of God. And I realise that we have made a westernised version of the church where a person who's called a senior leader is required to do the whole running of the church, a spiritual part of the church, and leave us alone. We'll just turn up at church. You, We pay you to program everything, to provide for us everything we need and realised that I spent 20% of my time in what I believe was my God shape yeah. and 80% of my time just making everybody happy. Yeah. And now that I'm 65, I'm going, if I can get every 30-year-old pastor yeah. to stay in their God shape. And I sometimes say, wouldn't it be great if everybody was unemployed from the church and we yeah. all had jobs yeah. and we all had to go to work and we had to build the church? Can the church still be built? Because yeah. if the church can only be built by the clergy, yeah. you know, and the laity just sit there, nobody's equipped, the one anothering doesn't happen. And the thing we don't tell people is when you're in your God shape, God allows encounters to happen all the time that only you can say, that was God, I couldn't have done that. Yeah. We're robbing people of miracles. Yeah, well. We're robbing people of sharing their God shape with the world and finding the God stamp on it. Yeah. So we just go to work, we live to provide, we don't live with biblical purpose. Mm. And because we live to provide, then we go to church and we want the guys at the front and the departments to give us a sense of purpose. Yeah. Most of those people don't even pick up their Bible during the week and read it. Yeah. Yeah. And I found coming back to Christ without all those trimmings, Yeah. I feel like I'm alive all over again. Wow. And my heart is, how can we get every believer yeah. to have that walk with Jesus so they don't have to build the church? They'll want to be the church, because build the church, because they are the church. Yeah. It's yeah. not just a building or a gathering or numbers or bums on seats. It's a part of who we are if we're yeah. in Christ, which is why you can't have Christ and not the church, because the church is his bride yeah. and he's connected to it. So like, what, what does that mean? So for, for someone like me, and other young 
leaders, pastors who are paid. Yeah. What do you, what do you see for us? Like that, it's such a great encouragement to say let's, let's not get bogged down in having to do. Yeah. All the, like we there's still business that comes yeah. with with any yeah. growing entity yeah. and there's all the incorporated elements of that sort of thing. But what does it what does it look like for us to yeah. to lead in such a way and to to yes. champion yes. Um, yeah, to champion people in their gifts. The Ephesians 4, to equip the saints for works of ministry. Gonna, you just took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I think we've got to redefine Christianity from start to finish, and I think we've got to take time. This is not a quick fix. We've got to take time to teach our congregations what does God expect of them without pastors' influence? What as you, if we're going to stand before God without our pastors, yeah. if we're going to stand before God on Judgment Day without the congregation, but as individuals, then what does that look like? So what can we decide on our own that pastors are not meant to decide for us? Yeah. And what are pastors meant to do? Yeah. So in answering your question, I think there's a returning back of the spirit of the governance of Ephesians 4. Mm. You know, I mean, there's apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And if we were to change those words, I always say an apostle is someone who literally entrusts people. We yeah. see what's on their life and we entrust them. You know, yeah. the prophetic endorses what's been entrusted. Yeah. You know, the pastor embraces people into that truth. Yeah. We think pastoring is just mollycoddling people and not challenging them. Mm. But no, pastoring is embracing people into truth, yeah, not so into good. disobedience. Yeah, you know? so good. The evangelist, he expands. Yeah. They expand. That spirit on the church expands the gospel. It's the, it's the heart, you know. Yeah. And the teacher explains. Oh, it's so and good. I changed the wording for me because yeah. I thought we can so super spiritualize these words, but they're very down to earth meanings. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And the church today, we are paying people who are Romans 12 ministry gifts. Yeah. So they are the equipped. Yeah. The Ephesians 4 are the equippers. Yeah. And we're paying the equipped to lead. Yeah. And therefore, they don't know how to lead. Yeah. And then when the church doesn't grow or we don't break the certain number, yeah. oh, he, he's not much of a pastor, you know, whatever. Yeah. But we're, we're guilty of putting people in the wrong hole, in yeah. the wrong space. And so I think God's restoring a clarity of governance gifts yeah, versus ministry gifts. And every single Christian is a ministry gift. Yeah. I am, you are. Yeah. So, and in Romans 12, it doesn't say wait for someone to point you to it. Yeah. If you can lead, lead. Yeah. If you love mercy and you love the broken, do it. Yeah. If you're a teacher, teach with all your heart. Yeah. So there's a part where as Christians, we can choose. Yeah. Why am I on the earth? What are my giftings? And the ascension gifts help you discover that. Yeah. It's like life coaching you to that. Yeah. But what's happened in church world is Church grows, people don't want to volunteer, mm. so we have to put on staff. And then we have all these holes we have to plug. Yeah. And so what happens is everybody gets stressed yeah. and we're not equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. We're employing the saints yeah. to come and do ministry, yeah. which ministry should be done by every Christian. Yeah. So if we went back to the New Testament church, yeah. um, a lot of what we pay people to do was done organically. Yeah. And I think that's part of what I see in the future. Yes. Yeah, the so organic good. church rise yeah. up. And then we are like coaches yeah. as Ascension gifted Ephesians 4, yeah. guiding people 
who have personally decided, yeah. as for me and my house will serve the Lord. Yeah, Lord. What we've done is, as for me and my house, you'll serve the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And then people feel, I know there's been stuff in the media recently, and there's people saying, we were part of this church and we got used yeah. and we got abused, right? And it's been not just in Australia, but overseas, in New Zealand, all around the world, going, we were used. Well, did you serve Jesus mm. or did you serve an organisation? Yeah. And at what level do we give people the right to say, hey, this is all I can bring? Yeah. You know, these are the gifts on my life. Yeah. I can give two days a week, I can give one night a week, but this is about all I can bring. And if you're happy that God's happy with that, yeah. we will equip you for that. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. And are we are we spending the time to see what's on someone's life? Absolutely. And call it up and out of them. Or are we so busy in the doing? That's the pro that was that the problem with the me. Calling. Yeah. Where now I've got the time to do Ezekiel 37. Yeah. So in Ezekiel 37, it says, and God took hold of me. Most pastors are too busy for God to take hold of them. Hey, yeah. Jesus, can you come back next week? I'm busy right now running around yeah. chasing my tail. I haven't yeah. seen my family all week, but I've got to run around because if I don't go, these people will leave the church. Yeah. Do you know the tears that I've cried, and I know this is being recorded, the tears that I've cried at the times I was made to feel guilty that left my dining table with my kids around it. Yeah. I had a phone call from a lady once who said, if you don't come now and my son dies, God will hold you responsible. Oh, my gosh. Now, I knew that wasn't true. Yeah. But the but manipulation of yeah. that... And that's... How much is that the enemy? Like, he's oh. the accuser of the brethren. Oh. And it does... It plays on that... All right, I, my identity as as pastor, leader, shepherd is... I, and you our heart... get away with it, David Shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> but our hearts as pastors... Yeah and leaders is to love people yeah. and to be there for people. Yeah. But sometimes we forget that we're not their savior. We're an under shepherd. Yeah. And it is hard, isn't it? It's not easy yeah. to, to know someone's broken and hurting and want to be there and want to help yeah. them. But at the same time, realize my primary calling yeah. is to my family. Yeah. Yeah. How my, do you navigate that? One of my children came into my office when they were 11 years old, 11 years old and said to me, dad, just want an appointment with you because I want to get to know you because if you died, I wouldn't know what to say at your funeral. Oh, my goodness. What did that do to you? Oh, I fell apart. I fell apart, cried. I got angry at God. I said, I do everything for you, and they get upset. I serve them and the people in the church get upset. I can't win. And I remember in that period of time, I had to speak at a leadership retreat, and I was really feeling it. And I was actually in the shower, and I said, God... You say in the Bible that your yoke is easy and your burden is light and I'm dying. Wow. And a voice in my head said, it's not my expectations you're trying to live up to. Oh, wow. It's not my expectations. And I realised that people want more from you than God has ever wanted from you. Yeah. And I was more driven by people's expectation than what God wanted. And that started a trajectory for me to just change leadership, change how we do things. I'm not a lazy person mm. and I'm not one to look for opportunities to sit around and do nothing. But I was preparing sermons on the run yeah, because of the amount of counselling I was doing that I shouldn't have been doing, the amount of running around and then occupational health and safety stuff and then meeting with the council. And, and it was just like I thought... Gee, I wish I was Smith Wigglesworth. I don't even know, I don't even know if his horse was insured. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jump 
on a horse, get to the next town, preach the gospel. Yeah. And we've complicated it in our Western world. And I'll tell you what happened to me that um, still really freaks me out. I'm in Zimbabwe with World Vision and I'm watching people walk up to two hours to get to a hut mm. to worship God mm. and counted it a privilege. Some of them had limbs that weren't working and you know they were struggling with their no air conditioning, nothing. And I'm coming back to Australia and I'm on the tarmac in Johannesburg yeah. and I'm on the jumbo jet. We're just about to take off and I had a pad in my pocket and a pen and I said to God, how come in Australia people think if they're in church once a month they're doing God a favour and here these people that have got nothing, you give them a frisbee and they they make you feel you've given them a million dollars, you know, yeah. it was just a total yeah. different response. And in my head came this word. They don't go, in Australia people don't go on the full journey of faith. Wow. And I go, the full journey of faith. And I go, what's that? And I pulled out the pad and I wrote this in my pad and I won't give you the whole lot, but just the first two, he says, when people in the Western world have a, an understanding that Jesus loves them, they're comforted by the gospel, mm. which is what the gospel should do. Yeah. It should comfort us. Then they meet the church and they get connected. Yeah. And that's stage one and stage two. There's seven stages. Yeah. He said, but stage three is the cross. Yeah. And if people don't have a revelation of stage three, they keep jumping out of stage one and two. Yeah. So if they're in a church and they feel comforted, they'll stay. Yeah. If they feel connected because their friends are there, they'll stay. Yeah. But the minute someone offends them, something goes wrong or a disagreement, they disconnect. Yeah. And they go back to another church or go to a new church and feel. stage one, comfort, stage two, connection. Yeah. And don't embrace, sorry, the cause. Yeah. This is the cause of the cross, the cause of Christ. Yeah. Because he says, stage one reveals the love of Jesus. Stage two reveals the power of the church. Yeah. But stage three, the cause of Christ reveals the cross. Yeah. And the cross has gone missing. Yeah. And so we stay in those two or three stages. Yeah. And we don't embrace convictions. Yeah. We don't continue. Yeah. Because the cause brings crisis. Yeah. When you embrace the cause of the cross, crisis comes into your life because now you're challenged to grow for God and walk with God yeah. and it's only then that your convictions are developed. Yeah. If you don't go through crisis, yeah. you don't really know what you believe. Yeah. When my son died, what I really believed came to the surface. Come on. Not what I preached, yeah. what I really believed. Yeah. It's one thing to get up and preach that God can heal and God can do that and then my yeah. son dies at 39 years of age. Yeah. And I go, so do I still believe in the cross? Yeah. The comfort and connection wasn't enough. Yeah. To be comforted by the church was great. Yeah. To have the sense that God loves me, that was good. But did the cross really happen? Yeah. And did the resurrection subsequently happen? Yeah. Because if that didn't happen, I'm stuck in stage one and two. Yeah. Do you know how many churches are stuck in stage one and two? Yeah. Or how many Christians, Christians full stop? Full stop. I think what what you're talking about is so powerful, and I think it's at the at the absolute heart of this neck, the future of the yep. church, isn't it? Yeah. It's this this coming back to the cause, yeah. which fundamentally, like, what does Jesus say? He says, like, pick up your cross and follow, follow me. me. And I. Yeah, I, like I obviously I just love <laughs> sitting with you. And like, every time you talk, I'm like, yes, just a big amen in my heart. But oh, that's good. I'm glad. Not heresy, you know, heresy. <laughs> but I think this is it. This is it. Is we, 
the cross, like whatever happened to the cross. And I think in all the conversations that we're having in terms of culture and in terms of morality and in terms of like all, all the big debates, same yep. sex marriage and all, all of these things. And, and can I, I, I want to live my life. I want to do it my way. And we forget that it's actually the same. It's exactly the same thing as, as Genesis two and three, where it's, will you do it my way, God's yep. way, or will you do it your way? Yeah. And we're not called to just connection and comfort. No. Those things are beautiful. They That's are. a part of the and gospel. We need them. It's part of the gospel. But we're called to pick up our cross, and everyone's got a different cross yeah. to bear. Yeah, absolutely. And if the, if we truly understood what He has done for us at the cross, like if we would sit there longer, yeah, and, and if oh. we would allow that, like if we truly caught grace, oh understanding how broken we are apart from him and what he's done and the cross of Christ was was truly central in everything we did like like you say we our lives would be so radically different but the the church would be what it was created to be like and I'm believing it's going to happen again I really do I think people are tired of churchianity yeah and you, you get I'm talking to several young people at the moment that love that word deconstruct and so they're saying, look, I'm deconstructing my faith. I said, would you ever knock a house down on a block of land and just leave it there and not rebuild? You know, like yeah. deconstruct all you like as long as we're going to reconstruct. Yeah. And we have to reconstruct God's pattern for the church, not our pattern. Yeah. And it will work in every season. God's yeah. patterns are not t trends. Yeah. There's a difference between trends you know, one minute we have this contemporary music, next minute we're going back to liturgy. Do you know how many people are leaving what my expression of the church was in the contemporary uh, music, all that kind of stuff, and they're going back to liturgy. And again, we're just changing stylistically. Yeah. And that's not what biblical pattern's all about. Because no. patterns work in every culture, yeah. in every era, yeah. and they it's speak truth. in every time because it's truth. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's truth, and that's what we're called to, aren't we? We're, oh, we're called to. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think if I was to round it up in this, uh, in these thoughts with a few months ago, uh, probably now nearly a year ago, I was in prayer and I said to God, what's your priority? Yeah, well. You know, what's your priority now? Everybody's deconstructing, so what's your priority? Now, we've all heard what I'm about to say, but I didn't see it quite like this. He said, the great commandment and the great commission. Mm. You know, the great commandment is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul. Where you've gone wrong, Danny, this is what came into my head, is you think teaching people to get on board with your vision is loving the Lord. I didn't say tell people to get on board with your vision. I said, get people to love me, yeah. fall in love with me. Even when we use scriptures like without a vision, people perish. That's an ongoing revelation of who God is. Yeah. It's not we're going to go and plant 100 churches or whatever. Yeah. Our job as leaders is to help people gospel. fall in love with Jesus and to find their own way of hearing his voice yeah. and to self-lead. Yeah. So I think the church is going back to where Christians have to self-lead and self-feed. Yeah, so good. Because in the book of Acts, discipleship started from the seeker, not the speaker. Yeah, wow. When you think about it, yeah. what must we do? They yeah. gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. And we they, don't have that today. Waiting in an upper room because God said, wait. Absolutely. I'm seeking you. I'm going to wait here. Yep. And then yep. you're going to move. 
great commandment, great commission. And, I, and I, he says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Is getting back, getting people back to genuine spirituality. Yeah. People need to become spiritual again. We're not the local Rotary Club. Come on. We're not the local community centre. Yeah. We're the Bride of Christ. Yeah. We might need battle boots under our wedding dress, but we're still the Bride <laughs> of Christ. <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, you know, helping people walk with Jesus so they own their own revelation and convictions. Yeah. That spirituality. He says, but love your neighbour as yourself is true ministry. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, yeah. to reconcile people back to God and to each other. Yeah. So well, what's my ministry? I'm called to pray. Every time someone's told me I believe God's calling me to ministry, I say, what is that ministry? Nobody ever says, oh, to go and help the poor. Or, yeah. No, oh, I'm a teacher. Yeah. I'm a preacher or I'm a worship pastor. Yeah. Now, they think the platform's ministry. Yeah. So I've actually changed my language. I don't believe we have a ministry, and I'm, we do, yeah, yeah. but I'm saying I don't teach we have a ministry. I teach I am ministry. Yeah, that's so good. Everywhere I go, I'm ministry. Yeah. At what point am I not ministry? Yeah. So am I spiritual on Sunday and carnal on Monday? Yeah. I'm 24-7 ministry. Yeah. So if someone's dying on the street going, well, I can't help you, it's my day off today. Yeah. I have Mondays off. Yeah. And you're dying in the street and I can't help you because it's my day off. Yeah. You know how many evangelists preach from the platform for salvation and never witness to a soul off the platform? Wow. I know them. I've travelled the world with them. And they couldn't care less about talking to a waiter in a hotel about uh, having some sense of how are you, what's your name? Yeah. To actually know the person. So love your neighbour as yourself. We, we, we skim over it, but it's ministry. Mm. So love God as spirituality ministry. And then he goes, make disciples of all nations. And I'm going, how are we going to disciple all nations? And I thought, changing one life at a time yeah. in the community. Yeah. And so I realised that God wants the church in the community, not separate from the community. Yeah. We're the light of the world, not the light of the church. Yeah, it's good. You know, and so this is some of my shifts inside of me, yeah. and then baptizing them and teaching them to absorb all things is proximity. Yeah. Discipleship's not Tuesday night at seven o'clock. That can be part of discipleship. Yeah. Excuse me. That can be part of discipleship, but discipleship is more than a program. It's a proximity. Yeah, it's shoulder on shoulder, isn't yeah. it? Like doing life together. And this comes back to again, the church and understanding what the church is is that it, it, it is community, it's relationship. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. it is doing a doing of life together and encouraging one another, building one another up in the most holy faith, teaching one another, like yeah. Yeah. all of these things. And we, we can't do that alone. Can't. And we're actually, and, and, it's the, and it's that heart for, for humanity, understanding that, that waiter, that yeah. the person, the, yeah. the friend who I've, met through my kids school or whatever it is that God loves them and yeah, yeah. and if I actually care about them for who they are it's more than just showing an interest in what they do but I want them to come into the fullness of all yeah. that God's created them yeah. to be and to do and therefore naturally yeah. the love of God will overflow and I want to journey with them and I want them to know about this oh. great love in Christ this is emotional for me but three Sundays ago I mean, I'm Italian, I get emotional a lot, but three weeks ago, I'm in church on a Sunday morning. And two nights earlier, we'd had a gathering with some of our relatives who are not faith-based. Yeah. 
and we decided to get together with our rallies and have a bit of an Italian shindig party and bring out all the Italian food. And one of my rallies said to me, what do you do these days? And I said, oh, you know, one of the problems today is mental health, you know, and there's a lot of people struggling and I'm finding a lot of my life coaching is around this issues. And he goes, really? And he goes, well, you know, we're having trouble with part of this person in our family with the same issues and uh, we don't know what to do. And one of my saved cousins after said to me, that was a God moment. You could feel in the lounge room that was a God moment. Yeah. So that was Saturday night. The next day, Sunday, I'm in church and through the service I get a phone call from one of my rallies screaming down the phone. Wow. So I walk out of church and I thought somebody had died. Yeah, well. What's going on? What's going on? I said, come down, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And she says to me and mentions the relative's name has just put a knife to their throat and... Uh, I don't want to live. And I said, I'm leaving right now. I jumped in the car. I didn't even know where they lived. Right? So I had to get the address, got lost. Finally, go. The, the sibling of this person ended up in hospital, had like an on-the-spot breakdown mm. with watching what was you about to happen. And now this person's in a bedroom, locked up, and I walk in. Now, I'm related to the parents. I'm not related to the person. I am, but I don't know the person, yeah, yeah. I know the parent. I said, you don't know me, you know, it's Uncle Danny here, you don't know me. Uh, and out it all came. It just started coming, oh, I'm crazy, I don't want to live, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I just felt God say to me, just open your home. Yeah. Let him come and eat with you. Yeah. Take him with you down to Michael's. Yeah. That was three weeks ago. Totally transformed. Wow. Off the medications this week. Um, rings me every day. And um, tonight he's having dinner with Michael to talk about how Michael navigated his journey. This is our son Michael, for those watching, that went through major mental health issues. Yeah. Um, I remember years ago the thought came to me... Um, Make a river with the tears that you flow to refresh others. Wow. And sometimes we go through pain as Christians, but we don't have to waste that pain. Yeah, wow, come on. But the level of mentoring I'm now giving this young person, I could have never done when I was pastoring a church because of the demands. Yeah. And yet now I can do that. I thought if we could equip every believer, it doesn't take much to open your home. To cook a meal. Mm. And they say to me, why do you love me so much? Yeah. And I said, well, why wouldn't I? And... And this is the church, Danny. You know? This is the church. Yeah. And that, coming back to that deconstruction word and coming back to what we started with, yep. with Solomon and Ecclesiastes and yep. he deconstructs everything. Yeah. But he gets to the very end, he goes all the way and says, well, everything's meaningless. Yeah. So therefore, love God. And he begins to build the house again. But he comes back to the biblical pattern. Yep. And I think this is what I love about yep. you and your heart and the way that you've been ministering to people like me and, and other leaders just calling us to that yep. biblical pattern and yep. saying, God loves his church, so let's, let's 
know yeah. what the church actually is yeah. and yet buildings happen and all these things yeah, happen yeah. And, it, and they need to happen and you know they've all got their place but yeah i think the greatest season of equipping the saints for the saints to do the ministry is being put presented to us by god we're being presented with that. And I think the next 10 years, now this is just a gut feeling. I can't probably give you scripture and verse, although I can in this sense that uh, two scriptures that changed my life in believing in young people, there's more. But two of them was when David said, my son Solomon is gonna build what I can't build yeah. and he's not ready yet, but I'm gonna give him everything that I can to prepare him. Wow. I thought, what an incredible thing in First Chronicles 29. But the other one is Psalm 78, which says each new generation must declare anew to the next yeah. the good things of God, not like their ancestors, the children of Ephraim. Mm. And then it gives you a list of all the wrong things the ancestors did. Yeah. I'm not insecure because I know, I mean, we all are to some degree maybe, but I'm not insecure in this sense that uh, I'm happy to tell people the mistakes I made. Yeah. Because I don't want to repeat like the children of Ephraim. Yeah. Psalm 78 says, not like them yeah. who forgot what God gave them. Yeah. And while the food that God provided was still in their mouth, they were complaining. Wow. They hadn't even swallowed it yet. <laughs> yeah, and they're right. complaining, we don't like this. Yeah. And we laugh about Entitled, it. We right? do it. We do it, <laughs> don't we? Yeah. yeah, we do. And I realised, Dave, that um, I want to pass on to a new generation, say, these are the mistakes previous generations made. You don't have to make those same mistakes. Learn from our mistakes. But these are the things you can see happen in your generation. And I am so excited about that for this reason. When I was a kid, I grew up in legalism. Yeah. My dad was a pastor of a church where you didn't need the cross, just obey the rules. Yeah. You know, So it was salvation by obedience to the rules. Yeah. And I knew that was wrong. And so it was law and legalism. Yeah. In the 70s, and I may have shared this with your church, in the 70s I felt it was like license and lib cheap grace. Like, you know, just God loves you the way you are. You don't have to do You know how many people in evangelical circles go, but I'm saved by grace, why do I have to serve? Yeah. Because it was a wrong understanding of grace. Yeah. So we ended up with license and liberalism. Yeah. But you know, right now I see a generation of teenagers yeah. I'm seeing teenagers so hungry for the word mm. that I'm so excited watching a new generation of young people yeah. and I believe it's lordship and love and lordship. Yeah. They actually want to love God yeah. and they want him to be Lord. Yeah. But it's my, even more, you're younger than me. So my generation is to value that love and lordship yeah. and tell young people what it's not. Yeah. It's not control. God's yeah, never going to control us. It's freedom. Yeah. Love and Lordship is freedom. Yeah, amen. You know, and so I think we're going to see the greatest days of the church ahead of us because Jesus said he'll build it. He's not going to build a trash job. No. He's going to build his church. Yeah. And all these people saying, church, I'm done with church, I'm done with church. Well, you know what? If you're done with church, there's still a highways, byways church. Mm. Guy invites the people to the party in Luke 14. People, possessions and positions stop people from coming to the party. Isn't that what we're having in the modern church today? Yeah. Yeah. He goes, but the party's not getting cancelled. Yeah. He doesn't say, well, shut it down. Nobody's coming. Flick this. Yeah. He goes, no, go to the byways and highways. 
yeah. and compel them. And I remember the other day thinking about this, and it was just literally the other day. I used to think highways and Bible um, and byways people are street people and yeah. drug addicts, and there's a portion of that that could be true. But byways and highways are the people that are distanced from the gospel. Oh yeah, wow. There's people in the byways and highways that have got Ferraris, yeah. like some of my friends, yeah. and they're on depression medication. Yeah. So there's a byways highways church out yeah. there. Yeah. That if the people God calls first to build it won't. Yeah. He goes. Yeah. Well, Christ came for Zacchaeus and for Mary Magdalene, didn't he? So you good, know. so good. So and that's good. the truth. That's yep. the thing. And we've got to, we've got to, it, the gospel is for everybody. Yeah. And it's freedom. I just love how you, you it is. It's freedom. It love is and freedom. lordship is genuine freedom. Freedom. I remember Tim Hine. Yeah, I know Tim. Yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget when one of like one of the most significant moments, as I think God was starting to put this kingdom heart in my heart, and he talked. He, he came and talked about uh, sheep, cats, and sheep dogs. Oh, and, wow. he, and he talked about how at, when we're young, you know, when we're a teenager, we're we're like sheep. Where we'll follow the masses. So you can go to a youth rally and you can, someone can be inspiring and if, if five people get up and walk forward, you're all going. Uh, and he goes, it's easy. That ministry is, is easy, but it, it doesn't last yeah. because it, you don't know if it's genuine or not. Yeah, I agree. And then he said, then, then we go to this phase and we become, we sort of leave the sheep phase where we become like cats where we don't want anyone to be law. <laughs> you can't, like, no one can tame a cat. You can't yeah, control can't. a cat. That's you right, can't call right. a cat. That They'll just do their own thing. And he goes, and everyone leaves to London and goes and finds themselves. Uh, <laughs> I like, I like it. Yeah. And, but he, then he, he talked about the goal, though, is is to become like a sheepdog who knows they have the freedom of the farm. Like, they, yeah. can, they can go anywhere yeah. they want, but the yeah. moment their master calls, they come. And I'll never forget it. I'll oh, never forget that moment where, you know, when so you... It's so good. Yeah, it's like sitting with you, like you hear something and just bang, it just hit me. Yeah. And I was like, yes, Lord. Like, that's what, that's who I want to be. I want to be someone who knows that they're free. Like, I've got the yeah. whole, that's what God's heart is. You've got, yeah. you've got the whole garden, like, I'm oh. good and I'm for your good, but you want me because I've given you that freedom. And it's not I'm trying to control you and put you on a leash. It's no, you are free and therefore when I call, you'll come running and you'll yeah. sit at my feet yeah, and say, yeah. yes, Lord, what what next? Because you're so good and you've done such good for me. Yep. And I was like, yes, that's, so good. that's, that's what I want and yeah. that, that's the message of the gospel. Oh, absolutely. See, we've, in my world, maybe yours was different, but in my world, we were pumped with teaching on following people up, follow up. But they hadn't decided follow me. Mm. And so we're following up people that have not decided to follow him. Yeah. There's no follow. There's no followship, but we want, f you know, follow up. Yeah. And I realised that as, if the enemy can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. Wow. And, you know, um, it's really funny because in Exodus 17, when the people attacked Moses, it was like there was three types of attack. And I, again, these are things that I just saw in patterns when I read the Bible. And it says that, you know, they wanted water and he didn't give them what, he, what, they, what they wanted yeah. in Exodus 17. And God says to Moses, separate from the people. Yeah. And just go alone with a few people and separate. Yeah. But then the Amalekites came in and started attacking and God says, congregate. Mm. Aaron and Ur lifted up his hands. Yeah. But then only one or two verses later, we start chapter 18, 
and Moses is getting killed with pastoral work. And God says through his father-in-law Jethro, you need to delegate. Mm. And I've always noticed that if I'm personally attacked, I can't bleed all over the congregation. I just need two or three friends I can separate and just process what I'm feeling and get someone to say to me, you're stupid, stop that, don't think like that. We all need people like that in our lives. But there's a time when the pattern gets attacked because the pattern was to get into the promised land and the Amalekites are trying to stop that journey. And so when the pattern gets attacked, that's when we congregate and pray together and say, look, we're coming under attack here. We've got to hold each other's arms up and we hold. But the enemy knows that those two we can probably handle as pastors. But the priority one, we're breaking that rule every day. Mm. He goes, you're going to burn the people out and you're going to burn yourself out. Yeah. He goes, because you need to put captains of thousands, captains of hundreds and fifties and tens. Mm. And so you need to put people in the right way so that so they will bear the burden with you. Yeah. And I think that's where modern church, we have the professional laity, the professional clergy and the laity and we pay the, what, what do we pay you for? It's what we pay you for, Dave. Yeah. You're the pastor, we're paying you the money, you go and visit everybody. Yeah. And everybody misses out on purpose. Yeah. And misses out on the beauty and the freedom of yeah. the church. Yeah. And so I think I'm so, I wish I was your age now because I thought yeah. this is probably one of the most exciting times to be alive yeah. when the enemy's clapping in the hands and going, we're destroying the church. And this is going to be the greatest reconstruction we've ever seen. Amen. Because the gates of hell <laughs> no, will not prevail not against it. Oh. Oh, Danny, thank you so much. We probably have to finish this conversation. We could talk for hours, but... Sorry, they caught me turbo <laughs> If You get me going, I don't stop. Oh, Sorry. It's been, it's yeah, been such a joy. We're going to have to do this again. We'll, we'll absolutely have to do it again. But sure. thank you so much for just coming and sharing your wisdom. And um, Oh, it's just beautiful to partner with you. It really is. I'm so excited for what God's doing. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bless you, my brother. Bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the One Church Podcast. To check out previous episodes and stay up to date with new ones, please subscribe to the One Church Podcast wherever you listen. You can also watch full episodes on our YouTube channel. And if this podcast has blessed you, please leave us a review and share it with your friends and family. Have a great day.